Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Well, it's great to be back. I got a recommendation for you to start here. Tuesday night sounds like fun. But I think you need two ministry teams. You need a ministry team for the losers <laughs> that they can deal with forgiveness and healing. And then you need a ministry team for the winners to deal with the spirit of pride and all that's going to come for them. So I'm sure you, you, you got a young team or you guys can work that out. I'm sure that would not be a, not be a problem. And as was said twice already, and I want to emphasize it again, next week, Laverne Kreider is here, my favorite all-time preacher in the world. Yay. He's so excited about, about that, because she, what she does so well is I've spoken three times now, and she can clean up anything I've messed up, so but she's amazing and looking forward to that. I have a message as part of the series this morning. I believe it's very, very important for us as a church, Newport family, and uh, living with zeal by experiencing the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about the kingdom a bit and how we... To really live with zeal in our lives, we need to understand the kingdom and know how to experience the kingdom. And of course, this is something that, that your senior pastor, Mel Shanks, talked a lot about the kingdom. There's a lot you know about this already. But I just want to come from a, a perspective that I think will help you today, building this whole message on one verse. Now, I'm going to share other supporting verses, but there's one key verse found in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. We're going to focus on this verse. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'll say it again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make this. I'm a practical guy. I was a chicken farmer. This will be very practical today. Uh, what is the kingdom of God? Let's talk about the kingdom for a minute. What is the kingdom of God? I grew up thinking the kingdom of God was heaven in the future. And praise God, that is a part of the kingdom. But there's so much more than just what's going to happen in heaven, and I praise God for that. The Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's two places in the Lord's Prayer that talks about the kingdom. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever at the end. But he's talking about on earth. So what does this look like on earth? So when Jesus was asked about the kingdom, he said, when's the kingdom coming? They're waiting for the kingdom to come. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So Luke 17, 20, 21, once on being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. It's not something out there necessarily. Nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst or some translations say is within you. You, and that's why there's been a lot of teaching here at Newport Church, awesome teaching on experiencing the kingdom now. I'm just confirming that's what the Word of God says. So, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And that kind of connects with the first scripture I gave you. I said we're going to teach on today. Right, righteousness, the first part of the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In Luke 4, 43, again, these are supporting verses. The scripture says this. He says, 
I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the good news. Of course, good news is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, our Lord, our Savior. The good news is God is bringing a kingdom. So it's many people think it was just me and Jesus. It is. We all are transformed by Jesus. We come to know him, the scripture says in John 17, 3. And that's true. But to experience his kingdom is not just us. The kingdom, very simply, in my understanding, as I've studied this for years, is the king, Jesus, and his domain. That's the kingdom. So wherever we go, we take the kingdom. So when we, and the kingdom is not meat or drink, we'll talk about that in a moment, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So everywhere we go, we take the kingdom of God. We take the kingdom with us. We expect the kingdom to come everywhere we go. So at work, or whether it's in our homes, or with our families, or wherever we are, it's not, we often think it's just the church. And we thank God for the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus believes in his church. People that say, well, I don't really need the church. It's me and Jesus. That's just not in the Bible. The Bible is very clear. We need the church. We need, we're part of the universal church, part of the local church. My favorite story in that, I wrote it years ago in the foundation teachings, is that the man of God whom I study his stuff, I love this stuff, his name is D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody saw a million people come to Christ without television and internet and social media. Amazing. He was amazing. And he came to Christ because a shoe salesman led him to Christ. And he has such a heart for the kingdom of God. And he has such a heart to see people come to Christ. He went to his pastor and said, could I start a Sunday school? Could I teach Sunday school? Could I do anything? Anything. And, and they said, we have enough teachers already. So he said, well, he said, could I start my own class? He said, sure. And he went out on the streets and led young people, basically gave young people candy bars and found a place where they cleaned out. It was a bar. They cleaned it out for, for, for the Sunday morning deal. And they all came for, with their candy bars the next Sunday. And these people came, all these kids came to Christ. And soon his Sunday school class was larger than the whole church. This D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody then began to preach the gospel around the world. In those days, mostly Europe and America. Uh, but he was a, just an amazing man of God. But he always had a choir before his crusades. And people would come and say, I want to sing in your choir, Mr. Moody, Reverend Moody, or whatever. And he said, okay, which church are you part of? And he said, well, I'm part of the Universal Church. He said, well, go find the leader of the Universal Church singing his choir. In other words, we need to be connected to a local church. So local church connection is really important in the kingdom. That's all a part of the kingdom. I know you all believe that. I'm speaking to the choir, but I'm just confirming it again. So why is this so important? Because we proclaim the good news of the kingdom, kingdom influence. It's kingdom influence in everything we do, everywhere we go, including the baseball game on Tuesday night. Watch your attitudes. Okay. It's going to be fun. Right. Laverne, I don't know if we're busy at night. If we're not, I want to go. That sounds like, that's like fun. So he says, and, and, and again, Luke 4, 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Now you have to understand, in the days when Jesus said this, they were under Roman rule, and they really were hated Roman rule. The, and, the, and Jesus obviously first went to his own people, the Jews. They hated Roman rule. And they just wanted to get, he, they, they thought they were hoping his kingdom would be another government. They were really hoping for that. But he was talking about something much deeper than that. Every nation I go to, we see the kingdom in the midst of all kinds of governments, and, 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 and I'm into praying for government. I'm into, I believe in, you know, I believe in, in seeing us see uh, governments change for the glory of God. But the most important thing is the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the king and his domain. It's the king and his people. That's the kingdom of God and what that's all about. 
couple more scriptures. I want to give you just to back up what I'm saying. Luke 8, 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town to, and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were there. It was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And then in Luke 9, 2, he sent them out, sent the disciples out to do what? Proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And we know the kingdom includes healing and restoration and blessing. That's the kingdom. And it's not just for those who are behind pulpits. It's for all of us. We take the kingdom everywhere we go. That's why we need to be so connected to the king in his domain and to other believers in the local church as we honor the universal church, the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is what? It's the king and his domain. Say it with me. The king and his domain, and that's his influence. That's why kingdom culture, all that, is we're seeing everywhere we go, it should be different, more like the king, because we're there. That's what the kingdom of God is, is all about. Now, the book of Acts mentions Paul at the end of his life. It's in Acts 28 and 31. What was he doing at the end of his life? He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This was happening in his life, Paul's life, end of his life, still proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now, in America, we have a hard time understanding the kingdom. But we didn't grow up with a king. Lorraine and I were with our daughter Letitia and her husband John in England just a week and a half ago. And they understand in Great Britain the kingdom. It's the United Kingdom. They understand what it's like to have a king. With all the messiness from the, you go back to, you, to the, you study the history, it almost depresses you. You go back to Henry VIII, and you know, and he didn't like the Catholic Church because they didn't like the way he was handling his marriage and lack of marriage and all the crazy stuff he went through. And then he started his own church, and he made himself the ruler of the church. It was crazy. They established this kingdom. But here's what's interesting. Every, I've been to more than 50 nations. Every nation I go to that was colonized by Great Britain in the past, you can tell similarities in those nations. They drive on the left-hand side of the road. I'd like to find the guy who thought that up. That was ridiculous. It's crazy. It's hard enough for me to drive in other countries, and I've done it for years, but I did in the past. But left side of the road, you know, gear shift, it was just crazy. Some of you have done it. It's easy for you. It's not me. We have a friend who went to England, went to Wyoming, England. One of the first times he went there, he said he got in one of those roundabouts. It went around and around and around and around. He said about 15 minutes later, he figured out he was going to get off. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> but he's on the left-hand side of the road. Now, what I'm saying is that there, everywhere I go where I see some influence of the United Kingdom, that's the kingdom. They understand the king. Huge deal. King and the queen and the monarchy and all those things. I don't understand it that well, but I do know that I understand it a lot less than those who live in England do because they have experienced a king now and a queen. Now, we have a king. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And we can begin, if we can begin to understand how his desire is for his kingdom to rule and to grow... I'm not overly concerned. You know I, know, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on today. I know in the nation, every nation I go to, there's craziness going on. It's hard. It's difficult. But, but you know, when I watched the Jesus Revolution movie, how many of you saw the Jesus Revolution? See, people like Laverne and I, people our age, and some of you are our age, we cried through it. We remember those days. We remember, it was hard. It was really hard during those days. But, but God, but God... So his kingdom expand by the Jesus revolution. So I just want you to know there's a kingdom that we're part of. That's much bigger than any of us personally. It's much bigger than the United States government. It's much different, bigger than Dove Christian Fellowship. It's much bigger than any business we have, anything we have, our county, whatever. It's called the kingdom of God. 
And that kingdom is being established on the earth today. And the Bible says that kingdom cannot, will not be shaken. Right? Go to China and meet with underground church leaders and see what they're going through and the horrible things they've gone through. But they say, but we've got this kingdom. We're part of an eternal kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28. Love this scripture. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There is this kingdom that cannot be shaken that we are a part of. So regardless of what happens around us, whether it's our families, whether it's our job, whether it's our community, whether it's our governments, whether it's our whatever, and again, obey God, do what he's called you to do, but remember, never forget, you're part of an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the king whom we serve. God is still on the throne. God's kingdom is in every nation of the world. It's growing exponentially. It cannot be shaken. God is still on the throne. His kingdom is not being shaken. Now, here's what I want to give you some good news. There are two, there are about 8 billion people in the world today. 2.6 billion believers in the world today. The largest group of, uh, the largest group of more than Hindus, more than, you know, Muslim, whatever. There's 2.6 billion believers. 32% of the world's population of 8 billion people claim Jesus in some way. Now, from tw- listen to this, and you're going to see this. From 2000 to 2022, in two years, last two years, the global Christian population, global Christian population, global Christian population, increased by 1.18% annually, with the Pentecostals charismatic seeing the highest annual growth of 1.88, that's us. God's kingdom is growing worldwide. And the reason it's so important to be involved in the whole kingdom, the whole world, it's why it's important to be involved in families of churches that connect globally. It's because somebody else has something we need, and they can pray in ways that we can't pray, or they can see things we don't see. We need one another, desperately. And that's why we're so blessed to be part of a you know, Newport church, part of a global part of the kingdom. It's called the Dove International Family. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. First of all, today more Christians live in Africa than any other continent. You look over there, Africa. More Christians are in Africa, any other continent. By 2050, that's not far off, Africa will be home to almost 1.3 billion Christians. It's amazing. There are just under 8 billion people in the world today. We often think in terms of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, USA. We think, you know, it's funny. We have the World Series. What a joke. People all over the world laugh at us. World Series, a bunch of baseball teams in America. Not the World Series. That's just who Americans are. I'm just being real. I'm an American. I'm speaking to myself. So all I'm saying is that we need to realize God is moving globally in ways that can blow our minds. China, 25,000 people coming to Christ every day. Amazing. In China, with persecution. So God's kingdom continues to grow. Today, there's, I said, 2.6 billion Christians, 1.9 billion uh, Muslim. 1.2 1.2 billion Hindu, and then everybody else, major religions. Latin America has 868 million, I'm sorry, 686 million believers in Christ, and Asia has 560 million believers in Christ. Europe has less, 497, and America, North America, has even less, 276. Now, that's really important we look at this. Here's why. Because a few generations ago, the main place in the world where Christianity was the strongest was America. It's not anymore. And before that, it was Europe, and it's not anymore. And now it is basically the southern hemispheres. 
It's South America, major revivals. It's Asia. It's Africa, as I said. Now, why is this important? That's what we need to stay connected with what God's doing around the world. We need one another desperately. So, bottom line, I think, is this. uh, uh, Just to bring this part to a bit of a close. We live in a global kingdom, a global family. On my podcast the other day, I was interviewing uh, uh, the Amandes, uh, Philip and Karina Amande. They live in, in Canada, and she was healed of cancer. I mean, it's an amazing story. It just touched me so deeply. Many of you know them. Uh, and they, they talked about how when she found out she had cancer and, and, you know, and she went into a coma, right before she went into a coma, asked for prayer. People all over the world prayed. And she said, it's amazing. Because of the prayers of God's people, she said, the doctor told my husband that uh, he said, you got, I'm going to keep your phone on tonight. I'm going to call you because this is basically it's over. It's over for your wife's life. And he said, uh, in fact, he said, I'm not going to, if the heart stops, I'm not going to try to resuscitate it. It's gone. But God, but God, but the prayers of God's people. And another doctor came on instead of the first doctor. And uh, when her heart stopped, this doctor said, we're going to resuscitate it. Didn't even know what the first doctor said. And she was healed. I mean, she just came back last week from, the, from her checkup again. She's healed, 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 totally. And she said, yeah, amen. She said, it's because of the prayers of God's people around the world. She said, because we're part of a family. Now, let me explain that. Families, spiritual families are really important to understand because the kingdom, God is a God of order. He's a God, you know, he, he's a, the scripture is clear in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he talks about how he is the God of order. And we know in the Old Testament, God's people were the Jews. So the kingdom in the Old Testament, let me get this clear, kingdom in the Old Testament was the Jewish people. Now, there were 12 tribes in Israel. It was Israel and 12 tribes. And you were one part of one of those tribes. Remember when Achan, they're trying to find Achan because he stole some stuff he shouldn't have stolen. What did they do? They went to the tribe, found out the tribe first. It was tribes, clans, and families. Then they found out the clan. Then they found out the family. Then he found out it was Achan and his family. Now, what I'm saying is this. Today, there are spiritual tribes. The kingdom of God is made up of spiritual tribes. In his dominion in, 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 the, in the atmosphere of God, there are many spiritual tri- tribes today. For example, there's the Assembly of God spiritual tribe. There's a Methodist spiritual tribe. There's a Harvestnet spiritual tribe. That's a new and local uh, there's a Hopewell spiritual tribe. There's a Baptist right down the street, part of a spiritual tribe called Baptist. These are all spiritual tribes. Now, spiritual tribes are made up of families. And of course, there's families of believers like we are here today. We're, we're part, Newport Church is part of the Dove spiritual tribe. Dove International Spirit is a, it's a tribe. And we love all the rest of the tribes. All the tribes are needed. We honor one another. But we're different, see something's different, and that's fine because we're a tribe. We all, there's a connection in the kingdom of God that's so important to understand. Now, when I felt like, I wasn't going to do this until in the middle of the night I woke up and I felt like the Holy Spirit said I should do this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you a real quick history on the spiritual tribe that you're part of, the Devon International Spiritual Tribe. And, I'm just, and praise God for Daniel Kreider and the map on the wall. And it's going to make it a lot easier for me to do this. In fact, I woke up this morning. I thought, I've got to get my pointer here, my laser pointer. I found it, and it didn't work. So I called David Barnett at the last minute and said, David, I need, I need a laser printer. I need a printer. I need a laser pointer. And he said, I think we got one. And look at that. There we go. It's here somewhere, I think. Oh, it's backwards. It's on my belly. Huh? 
See how desperate I need young men and women in my life? Only David, you're so good. Yeah, yeah, I owe you, I owe you big time. So anyway, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a minute. Every spiritual tribe has a story. We need to understand the story of the spiritual tribe. And why is this important? And it's not that one's better than another because it's not better than another. But we all have our stories and we need to understand our stories so we can continue to see the kingdom of God expand throughout the world. Our tribe is one of hundreds. It's one. It's a smaller tribe. But it's an important tribe. And it hit me so much this week and Karina Monday said it's because of the prayers of God's people. In, her, in this case, in the Dove family around the world, she says, here I am whole today. So... And by the way, you want people in Africa praying for you. Believe me, you want people in Africa. When I first went to Africa at 4 in the morning, I heard you guys praying in tongues and praying in another room. Who are these guys? They're praying. They should do this every morning. And people in Africa know how to pray. We might have some things we can do. We can maybe send teams and we can help and we can bless and that's great. They know how to pray. And that's why we need to be part of a global tribe. We need global tribes. They're all important to work together. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just explain this to you. We started right up the road, right near the Fritz's house, a place called Papa Grove. It led people to Christ. And eventually started Abundant Living Ministries with 50, you know, 25 people way back in 1980. That's where we started. And basically, then we grew that, that barn we used there. We grew out of that barn, and we sent some people to Sight and Sound. We sent some people to North, to, uh, to Lebanon County. And eventually, sent some people to Mannheim, and that's how this church started way back in the day. And Doris was a key part of that because Doris and her husband, gave Carl, gave leadership to that. Now, let me tell you what happened when it, when it came to how do we become a global movement? How did that happen? It happened because we invited a missionary to speak at our church. His name is David Brett. He was the founder of Youth of the Mission in Scotland. And David Brett, I hope it's okay I stand down there. Am I right? Okay, I want to make sure with everybody yeah, online. And so David Brett said, come and help us. We have a castle for YWAM that we're kind of getting cleaned up. And we want you to come and help us. And we sent our first mission team. So we sent our first mission team in the mid-1980s. And I remember Janet Marcel. Is Janet here this morning? Oh, okay, she missed it. She, all right. She see it online. You can tell her, all right. Janet was part of that team. Janet Marr, back when it was Marr. Remember... Brian had his eye on her, but it was too late. She was becoming a missionary. He had to wait a couple of years to get her. That's the way it worked. You can tell him I said it. And, okay. And so, anyway, we ended up playing a church there. And Janet was on the first team, and she became one of the first missionaries on that team, playing a church in Scotland. That church was one of the largest churches in Scotland for a season of time. After a while, this church is not there today in the same way. We now released it to another movement called the Vineyard. Um, but that we learned in so much during that time. It was phenomenal. It got us, I remember I was in a place called Creef, and I bed went out to pray in the morning, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to plant a church here. And I thought, you're going to be kidding. We're a little church of 100, 150 people, maybe 200. How would we ever do that? Well, it happened by the grace of God, and we learned a ton through that, and that was the first church we planted. And then the worst person I worked closest with for about 10 years in the past, Mervyn Charles, I grew up in Brazil, but I had this vision. We were praying. In fact, it's down in, in the YWAM Center, and they still have it on their wall of the YWAM director's office. It's still the map we prayed over. I saw it a couple weeks ago, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to go to uh, Brazil. You're going to find a lawyer. You're going to start a church, and it happened that, that way. And while we're talking about the Souders, since they're not here, and that's early teams, guess who went? Brian Souder. 
So the Salvers have had a, a lot of input into their family over the year. And uh, that church started. In fact, in about a month from now, there's now many churches. And, uh, and in about a month from now, Merle and I will be there. Merle's never been there in visiting these churches, meeting these leaders, some for some of the, leaders, the key leaders he's met because of the ILC, but meeting some of them for the first time. So that was the second church that was planned. As we became a global movement, as we, this is part of the kingdom. It was part of our family. It was part of our tribe. This is how the tribe happened. It, wasn't, it just happened. It happened through relationship. That's what we talked about this morning. Get involved in a life group. It's so important. That's where it all starts. It starts with relationship. They met in the New Testament from house to house. That's why that is so important. I appreciate you doing that. It's very, very important. So then we went from there. And then I remember, uh, I remember being, being, being there. And this, you're like this. I remember even before that all happened in 1980 or 81, I remember uh, there's a student from Kenya named Ibrahim Amande looking for churches that had life groups. We called them cell groups in those days. He came to us. And we went down the road here, half a mile, to Henry and Andy Bomberger's barn and prayed. That's where the prayer meetings were in those days with our thriving church of 50 people, whatever it was. Right down to Henry and Andy Bomberger's. It was right down the road on the left-hand side, right at the corner, a Newport Road. And remember, we prayed. And God knit our hearts together, Ibram and I, and we became friends forever. And they felt like they were called to go back, start a magazine, after the, do that for three years, plant a church. They went back, started a magazine. The government did not like the magazine because they were talking about things like queuing. Queuing means line, stand a line, stand a queue. And what they would do in some parts of Kenya in those days, when you went to vote, you stood behind whoever you're voting for, you stood behind that person. So everybody knew who you voted for. And so when they knew who you voted for, those people would disappear. They'd be killed. It was horrible. And they took a stand against that. I remember Beyond Magazine, I walked down the streets of Nairobi, Kenya. Beyond Magazine was all over the stands, the newsstands. It, like, it was like one of the major magazines of the day in those days. And, but it was gone. They, the government closed them down, put the leader in jail. Omandi didn't have to go to jail by the grace of God. Then he remembered what he, pr- he promised God. They'll start a church. They started in their home, and their first Dove church in Kenya started. That's how that all happened back in those days. I went to see Ibram soon after that happened. And we said, he said, I have his heart for Uganda. We said, well, let's get in and pray. We didn't know how to get in. We didn't have a visa. So we drove to this border, this border way far away from the main border. And we said, can we just go and walk around a little bit in here? We don't have a visa. They said, okay. And we walked in. We prayed and said, God, bring your kingdom to come right here in Uganda. And somehow expand this part of your kingdom to Uganda. And, you know, a couple years later it happened. Because a young, a, a young leader, his name is Ephraim Tumasumi, was, a, uh, uh, was in school in, in a, in a, it was, uh, I forget the name, I mean, do you remember the name of the school, Laverne? Daystar University, connected with Messiah here locally, and he was in Daystar, and he, the reason he was there is before that, he was involved in a mission organization from Canada, and the leader in, in Canada uh, that was helping him, he started a couple hundred churches, it was amazing, but he thought something's not quite right. He brought him to Canada, brought him to America. They raised money, and the money never showed up. He said, something's wrong. And one day he realized that this man was using the money he was raising for material gain personally rather than helping the ministry. It was horrible. I remember, I, so he gave everything up. In fact, it was so bad that this, this missionary, I can't believe these things happened. This missionary actually sent thugs to his house to burn his house down. Missionary, quote, unquote. That's why we need accountability. That's why we need spiritual families. That's why we need, we all need accountability in our lives. We all do stupid things. And so he came, I remember he was in Daystar University. Guess who his professor was? Ibrahim Amande. 
and they invited him to their church. And he came to the leadership meeting. The first time I ever met him, I never forget. And he told me his story. I was so blown away. I began to cry like a baby. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't cry very much. That's Laverne. And I'm crying. I'm saying, I don't believe this is happening. I don't believe that somebody from the Americas, and it was Canada, could do this. It's wrong. I'm weeping. I'm saying, I remember I knelt down his feet and said, will you please forgive us, North Americans, for what we've done? And something changed in his heart. And he went back to Uganda and planted a church. Now there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of churches all over Uganda. He's a spiritual father. There's so many. But that's how it happened. It happened through relationship. It happened one on one on one. In those days, we only planted churches. And then God spoke one day and said to me, he said, I have many orphans in my body. And there's some orphan churches I need to connect with the, with the, the Dove tribe, so to speak, the Dove family. And then we started to see some orphan churches come in different parts of the world. One of those was Rwanda. That was through Omandi. It happened in Congo. Next was Congo, orphan church. In fact, just today, about eight hours ago, in, the, in, in uh, Congo, Ibram Omandi and, and uh, the, the Dove Africa leadership team, and Hesman Odindo, and now... Uh, uh, from Uganda. <laughs> I have hard to remember all these, all these names. Even Tumasumi, they were, all, they were all together today establishing leadership, new leadership, young leadership in that nation, just today. This, this is our family. This is our tribe. Every, every move of God has their own tribe, has their own story. I'm just telling you our story so you know, especially for those of you that are newer. Some of you have been around a long time and say, I know this, but some of you didn't. Now, I'll give you a couple more. Canada. We started in Canada. We had a cell group conference there. We did a lot of conferences in the past, and a couple came and said to me and said, could we, uh, could we meet with us, and could we become a part of the Dove family? I mean, I took Brian Souter along, your very own Brian Souter, and uh, realized I couldn't handle it anymore. Brian said, I'm willing to give leadership. And he has faithfully led that vision for many, many years, and in the next couple of years to raise up leadership in Canada. Again, happened again. Philip and Karina, now, they came from India, and they're now missionaries in Canada, planning a, a church there. It's amazing how this over. It's family. God's called us to be family. And then we met uh, a couple of the Tenevs in Bulgaria. Daniel Tenev, many of you know who he is. And he, they, have a, they have a marriage ministry all over the Bulgarian world, all over the Bulgarian-speaking world. And we met their family, and they connected with the Dove family. It happened there. Then the Netherlands. Uh, I met in a London airport with a man from the Netherlands. He said, God's called us to be part of what you're doing. And then later he said, well, I don't, I'm not going to do it, but I know another guy needs to do it. And he met with Ron Meyer lately, and today Dirk Devling's been here. He's spoken here, and, and uh, Dirk and Hanukkah, and that's part of the Netherlands, part of the family. And then Zambia, Ibram and I went to Zambia many years ago to spy out the land. And, and again, more recently, now there's churches in Zambia, and Merle's been very involved with that. Uh, Haiti, went there with a church member about 30-plus years ago, sowed some seed. Some of you know Tim Ahmet. Uh, he was a missionary there for years, and because of that, we connected with Haiti. Barbados. In Barbados, which is in the Caribbean, uh, Robert Reed was a missionary with YWAM. He read the House to House book that I'd written about how he started a church. He said, I'm doing the same thing. He calls me, will you come to Barbados? Went there, and they connected. And Steve Prokopchak has been working with that part of the world since that. And now, I don't know if I should say this or not, because here I am, not really showing you. You know where these, most of these places are so far, I think. But... Next place I'm just going to talk about briefly uh, would be this nation here. I don't want to say it publicly because we call it South Central Asia. I think all of you know where that country is, only because there's such persecution in parts of that country. And, and this is online. I want to be very careful about that. There's more churches in this part of the world, in the Dove family, than any part of the world. It's at least 600. We think it could be 700 or more. 
right now, Dove Church is right here in this part of the world. And uh, there's two other nations there I won't mention, one to the north, one to the northeast, one to the northwest. Uh, Nepal I can mention, that's fine. We've got, and that, that would be easy to understand. Obviously, we've got the Harpers are here this morning and their sons, the missionary there. Uh, and so anyway, that started because, again, Hezbollah didn't know from Africa. Was in, he, was in, 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 he was in a ministry with his college there. And because of that, many come to Christ. He started a church. Philip and Karina Munda became part of that church, led the church, and really led that church. And that's how that whole thing happened. I could give you many more examples. Again, Brian and Jan Souter, again, are involved in that also. Uh, how am I doing in time? I'm all right. Uh, a couple more. Uh, some of you know the Espenshade Greenhouses. Their daughter, Julio's, and Jody. Jody married Julio from Guatemala, and they said, we're starting a church. Can we become part of the deaf family? See, it's all relationship. It's all relational. God is a relational God. That's how it works. In Colombia, missionaries, a uh, missionary there came to one of our conferences and said, I'm working with a church in Colombia. They need help. Your daddy, Tom Burnett, is the one to connect with him, and the rest is history. Uh, Peru, Craig and Tracy Nanu, served deaf for many years, um, who... Uh, t- uh, took me to, Craig took me to Peru, said, I want you to meet leadership here. I met a guy named Justo. Some of you know him. I think he's been here. And again, there's a movement of God now in Peru. Again, this is all, this is all here. I'm not doing this very well. It's all down here in this part of the world. And there's the, the Central South America deal. Uh, Venezuela, through one of the leaders who's been here, he's one of your missionaries, Juan Pablo. Uh, Cuba, Steve Rikovsky, prayed for years for a connection in Canada. God gave one. Now there's a whole movement of God in Cuba, part of the Dev family. Cuba, obviously, is right over here. Uh, what else we got here? South Africa was, was happening. Of course, Merle and Sri were there. Merle grew up in this church, obviously. as a, He grew up in the youth group. And then they went to Bible school and started playing, doing church playing in different parts of the world. Ended up in South Africa. And Brian, Janet, Seller formed, again, a good relationship with them. And I remember Laverne and I were in Uganda years ago, and Merle paid it. Remember, he, he used frequent flyer miles somehow, came to Uganda to help minister. Just, it was amazing. I thought, who is this guy? It was such grace on his life. I knew he was just a little guy. Such grace on his life. And, uh, of course, we see the rest is history. We see how God called them there and then called them here. And amazing things happening there in that part of the world in South Africa. Merle's response when he came to Dove was, I came back home. I feel like I came home, and he did. And we're so grateful. And so grateful the way he served here, and we all serve Dove, serving with Dove International and what that, all that will look like in the future. Philippines this morning, we have Jen and Jamie and the whole team there this morning. That happened because of connections we had some years ago uh, where, where Jeff Hoagland, who's a part of the Dev family, connected in the Philippines. They're now there as missionaries. And because of that, we're in, in the Philippines. Philippines is, for those of you, is way over in here. Okay, there we go. So we got Philippines, we got, we got Myanmar. This is interesting. Myanmar is, I'll show you where Myanmar is. Myanmar would be right in there. And uh, I was, some years ago, I was in Thailand speaking at a conference for another tribe, another movement. It's called HIM. And while, when, in between the break, a, a little man came up to me. And he said, Larry, he said, I, my name is Ram. I didn't come here for the conference. I came to see you. I said, really, why me? He says, somebody, American pastor, gave me one of your books on house churches, and we're doing house churches all over our country, and we have the same vision you have. Could we work together? And it's been an amazing connection with them, seeing what God's done in that country. They have, they have uh, translated material, and, and there's an amazing, amazing blessing. Some of you met them. Mozambique, more recently, some of you have met the leaders there, Jose and others. In fact, there's a team from Westgate just got back from, from uh, Mozambique. That'd be over down in here, right there. I don't hit you guys in the eyes. That would not be good. 
You're very brave to sit there. All right. And then Tanzania, a man from England, married a gal from Kenya, came to one of our covers in Africa and said, God's called us to work with you. We're now in Tanzania. And there's many, many more nations to come. And I do want to be real with you. There are some nations we're no longer in. We used to be in England, France, Germany, Croatia, Suriname, Curacao, Ireland, Denmark, and China. China was just one small cell group from, from, uh, from uh, a small house church that was from uh, Peru. Uh, but they're no longer they're no longer in Dove churches today. In some cases, we couldn't get young leaders. In some cases, they felt like it was time to close, and that's okay. We are not quitting. God, by His grace, has places our family in 25 nations of the world. We've just begun. There's 195 nations in the world. We have tw- we have 170 nations to go. Hallelujah. Now, the reason I'm telling you all this is we often talk about Dove Chapter One, which was we were one mega church of a couple thousand. Chapter 2 was the last 28 years when we became a family of now 1,100 churches. We're moving into Chapter 3, where your own Merle and Sri Shank will continue to give leadership here to this amazing team you have here, and will also take my place to give leadership to Dove International. And that will happen starting next April. And I just want you to know how thankful we are for Dove Newport. I say Dove Newport. That's what it used to be. Uh, you know, old guys like me get the kick out of our brain. Newport Church. We're so grateful for you guys for a lot of reasons. You're the only church in the Dove family that has two couples from an International Apostolic Council here on the team, Merle and Sri Shank and uh, Brian Janice Souter. There's no other church anywhere that's more than that. Everyone else is just one. It's one thing. We're so grateful for your eldership here, Bob and Danielle. You guys, you guys may not know this, but Bob has served on our stewardship team with Dove International for many years, helped us do so much stuff. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Guys are so faithful, so grateful. Uh, you probably don't know this, but you and Julie Whitmer, you know what they did when they got married? They led a church for five years in Lancaster City for Dove. You might even know that you have some amazing leadership here in this church. And God used them amazingly, and I just love their prophetic heart, love their pastoral heart, love those guys. And they're, this is you guys. This is your, your church. And we're so, we're so grateful. And I already talked about Brian and Janet Sattler. Brian and Janet, heaven with us. I don't know how they did it, guys. They've been with it for more than 40 years. They have a lot of grace on their lives. And they've just been amazing and again and again and again. And I've had the privilege, of course, Merle and Cherie were so, so blessed by their faithfulness and willingness to obey God to continue to lead Dove Newport Church. And Dove Newport, I said it again, Newport Church! And at the same time, lead Dove International. So grateful for them and the visionary leaders that they are and their heart for you. They're looking forward to getting back to seeing you. And we're all looking forward to having them back. Two weeks from today, they'll be back. So, I said all that, just simply said this. You guys are amazing. We're so blessed to have you a vital part of the Dev Global family, of our tribe. And I thought it would give me an opportunity to share with you what, the, what has happened, how this all transpired. Now, my time is going fairly rapidly. I've only hit the first point. I promise I will get you guys out of here by 1230. I'm just kidding. I'll get you out in time. All right, so let's go back to, our, back to our notes. Let's talk about what the kingdom of God is not real quick. Now, this scripture that we're looking at, scripture from 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, the scripture um, that we're looking at from Romans 14, 17, right in the middle of Romans 14. I love Romans 14 because Romans 14 is the chapter that tells us what the kingdom is about. It's freedom. It's not laws. It's not regulation. Because the second part of the scripture that we just read uh, from Romans 14, what's, what's it say? It's very, very clear. It says, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. 
It's not a matter of rules. It's not a matter of eating the right food or the right, or, you know, having, uh, we, all, we all have opinions in the kingdom of God. We all see some things differently. But the key is this, the kingdom of God is about Jesus the king and his domain. It's about kingdom influence everywhere we go. It's about living a life full of Jesus everywhere we go. It's not about uh, a lot of things a lot of people claim is the kingdom. And that ha- simply has to do with what's right and what's wrong. Well, sure, there's rights and sure, there's wrong, and some things are, most things are very clear. But Romans 14 talks about some people eat certain foods, some people don't. Some people say one day is more important than another, others don't. You can go on and on and on. You can talk about political preferences. You can talk, uh, you can talk about, you know, your preference and who's going to win the game Tuesday night. We're still part of the same kingdom, right? So all I'm saying is that it's not about need or drink. It's not about laws and regulations. It's about the freedom we have in the kingdom of God, we don't have, it's good news, we don't have to agree on everything. We agree on basics. We, we minor on minors and we major on majors. I mean, I get really stressed when I read like 1 Corinthians 10 and Romans 14, talk about the freedom we have. I get honestly stressed. Maybe I'm a little bit too old school, I don't know. But they talk about having meat offered to idols. And it's okay to eat that. It's okay to buy that and eat that if it's cheaper. Just, just don't ask questions, 1 Corinthians 10 says. Now, I have a hard time. If I knew a bunch of witches were last night or, or so, sometime recently were offering meat to the devil and their idols, but it's the, it's the cheapest meat available at the meat market, I would have a hard time with that. But the Bible says if you don't know, just go ahead and take it. Now, why? Why is it important to understand this? Because there's freedom in the kingdom. He's a God of freedom. And he wants to understand his kingdom is filled with freedom. So what the kingdom of God is not, it's not a matter of meat eating or drinking. In other words, it's not about rules. So why is this important? Because the kingdom of God, there's a lot, can be a lot of varieties of understanding and thinking of the kingdom of God. Every tribe has their own understanding, and that's important. If you don't dwell in unity, God cannot command blessing. So whether that's in our own homes, whether that's in our own church, whether that's in our our, our, our spiritual family, or whatever that would be. So, we live in a county filled with rules and regulations. We have horses and buggies. We have all kinds of things in our county. And so we need to realize there's freedom in the kingdom. Yes, there's rights and rights. Of course there is. Yes, there's a Ten Commandments. Of course there is. Y- yes, 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 I get all that. But at the same time, we need to understand our God in the kingdom is a God of freedom. Some people say, are you Calvinist or Armenian? You know what that means? Calvinist means once saved, always saved. Armenian means there's free will. And different churches see it differently. And I love, I mentioned D.L. Moody. I love what he used to say. He used to say, well, it's like this. You walk into a room and you see a door. And at the top of the door, it says, whosoever will may come. That's Armenianism. That's freedom. He says, you walk through the door. And you turn around and you look at the other side, and on top of the door on that side, it says predestined from the foundation of the world. That's Calvinism. It's really both. There are ultra-Calvinists, and, and I, I'm not going to mention names of churches, because there's churches, many in this county, some are Armenian, some are Calvinistic. But the key is, do we love Jesus? Do we love him? So, and where do you fit on that line? That's between you and God. There could be people in this room that see those things a bit differently, and that's Okay. It's like, when's the Lord coming back? Well, no one knows exactly when. 
But some people believe in all millennial, the premillennial, the postmillennial. I'm still panmillennial. It's all going to pan out in the end. Uh, I mean, we don't know exactly, but we love Jesus. We're going to occupy till he comes. Are you with me? All right. All right. So what the kingdom of God is not. It's not rules and regulations. We're talking about the kingdom. Let every person be fully persuaded in their own mind. Romans 14, 23. Now, the letter to Galatians says, I'll read this quickly because I want to get on to the next part. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before the very, your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? In other words, when you came to Christ, how did you get saved? How did your life get changed? Was it by believing or doing certain works? They, are you so foolish at the beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard? So also Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. We do the right things because we want to because God's changed our hearts, not because we have to. We do obey God. We do obey his word because we want to because he's changed our hearts. That's what it's all about. I love this scripture. I, I, it's almost every day I'll quote this. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength, my redeemer, from, uh, from the Psalms 19:14. It's all about the motivation of our heart. What the, word, the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, that's what it's all about. Now, three basic ways to know if you're experiencing the kingdom. We're going to close with this. Three basic ways. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about those three just for a moment. Righteousness that comes through faith. Romans 4, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abram believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Now, if we are truly experiencing the kingdom, we have freedom in our lives, we will understand that we're living righteous by faith. Not by doing the right thing. Not by, not, not by trying to clean up our mess. Do we clean up our mess? Of course we do. But only God can really clean up our mess. Bottom line is we're righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 6, 7 thing. Same thing. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And here's what happens. When you and I came to Jesus, we gave him all of our sins, gave him everything, and then we received his righteousness. And I remember the problem I had for many years wasn't the sins before I was a Christian, it was sins after I was a Christian. What about that? Are we walking in righteousness or are we walking in condemnation? Condemnation is a killer. It's one of the biggest killers in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not excusing sin at all. God's called us to be more like Jesus. Jesus never sinned. We're called to be like him. He flows through us. But we need to understand that we're righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus places righteousness, being right with God, on our account when we believe him. It's by trusting him. It's by believing him. Some people have a sin consciousness some have a righteousness consciousness. Let me tell you the difference. Sin consciousness is you mess up. All you can think about is how you screwed up. Sin consciousness. I sinned. I blew it. Righteousness consciousness is when we go to God, repent from our hearts. and say, Lord, give me grace. I receive your righteousness. And we're constantly conscious of the righteousness of God in our lives. Righteousness consciousness. So why is this important? Because the kingdom of God it's people who are walking in a righteousness consciousness. It's understanding righteousness. Many people don't understand the difference between righteousness or condemnation or conviction. 
even condemnation and conviction. You know the big difference. Conviction, there's always hope. There's always a way out. You always get out of this thing. That's just God's conviction. If it's condemnation, and you're feeling condemned for something, it's like there's no way out. What am I going to do? That's when we go back to the cross. I love the cross. That's when we go back to Jesus. That's when we go back to having the righteousness consciousness. We're consci- what does the scripture say? It says we are conscious. We believe, believe God. And Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. So that's understanding the difference between that. I'll say one more thing about this. Many people also confuse temptation and sin. They're tempted, and they think they sinned. No, sin is when you dwell on it. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head. But you can keep a bird from building a nest in your hair. So that's what we have to understand the difference. Condemnation is a horrible taskmaster. In Romans 8, it's very clear. There's therefore now no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So don't confuse those two in your life. First John 1 9, we confess our sins. He's faithful just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I already quoted Romans 8 and verse 1. And, and you know, I love this scripture. Genesis 50 and verse 20. I love this. Joseph spoke this to his brothers after they found out who he was. And uh, you all know the story. But he said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I just want to encourage you when you screw up and mess up and sin and you go to God and ask him to forgive you and receive the righteousness of God to also ask him to take what happened and turn it around for good. He's big enough to do that. Some of the people with the strongest life messages today that help so many people have gone through some really horrible stuff. But now God took it and turned it around for good. That's who our God is. You can trust him. And again, Romans 8, 1, I'll say it one more time. There's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now, the kingdom of God is not rules and regulations, but it's righteousness by faith, peace, and then joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in John 16.33, said, I told you these things that you may, in me you may have peace. In this world you may have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's the God of peace. And we all know what, what peace is. We know when we have peace and total peace. Either it was anxiety and worry or peace. Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. Now, many people ask me how, how I'm doing after 44 years of ministry now where you take turn the devil and ask to move it over to new leadership. Tremendous peace. It's just a supernatural gift from God because it's God and we see God in it. We see the graces of Merle Shree's lives. I just want to say this yet about, about peace. Philippians 4, 7, one of my favorite all-time scriptures. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I remember, I remember uh, years ago when I went to a local church in this community, another local church, we used to sing a song, a hymn called It's Well With My Soul. How many of you remember that song? It's Well With My Soul, remember this? Some of you remember that? And uh, yesterday, yesterday, I just figured out how that song was written and why it was written. 
And I'm going to just take two minutes and let you know that right now here as we soon close. There's a friend, of, I mentioned D.L. Moody, this is the third time, and one of his friends was a business guy in Chicago. His name was Horatio Stafford. And Horatio was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago. A ma wonderful family, a wife, five children. And uh, they lost one son, but as a whole, life went well for them. In 1983, there was an ocean liner, a French ocean liner, that was going to cross the Atlantic Ocean from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. And among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and the four daughters. And although Mr. Spafford was planning to go, he, he had to stay back in Chicago to help with some business issue. And those of you in business understand what that means. So he told his wife, look, you go, I'll join you in a couple days. Four days into the journey across the ocean. They didn't realize, but there's another more powerful iron-hauled Scottish ship called the Loch Urn coming toward them and hit them and destroyed the ship. And so within moments, everybody on board was in grave danger. Obviously, Anna hurriedly grabbed her children and prayed, but the ship went down within 12 minutes. And basically, they thought everyone was gone. But a sailor was rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down. He spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna. And so he grabbed her and pulled her into the boat, and they ended up nine days later in a place called Cardiff in Wales. And from there she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone. Her children were gone. What shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors was a pastor. His name was Weiss. He later said, I remember Anna said, God gave me four daughters, and now they've been taken from me. So someday I'll understand why. But Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. When the ship was four days out, the captain of the ship came to this Mr. Spafford and said, I want to show you something. And they, he came into the cabin. And he said, this is where the ship went down with your family right here. And Mr. Spafford went back to his little cabin, took out a pen and paper. And he wrote these words. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it's well, it's well with my soul. So God gave him in the midst of this horrible tragedy, God gave him tremendous peace, a peace that passes understanding is a gift. Now often there's a supernatural peace that we'll feel when we go through hard times. And as people pray, we often feel that as we pray. And that's one way to walk in the peace of God. But I believe there's also another way. I call it the path to peace. And that's the next verse. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. The next verse, 8, says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things, the battles in our mind. So there's times we get supernatural peace. There's times we must find the path to peace. And the path to peace is to begin to think on things of God. Think on things that are good. Think on the blessings of God. Think on Scripture. Think on, he says, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable. And uh, so God is the author of peace, whether it's supernatural peace or we find it in the path to peace. But he's the author of peace. But often we have to think about something else and speak about something else. Or those thoughts, anxious thoughts, worry 
whatever will just continue to come up in our minds. And it's kind of a crazy illustration, but if I told you right now to not think about a orange groundhog, just don't think about an orange groundhog for a while. You're all thinking about it. You've got to replace that with something else. Replace it with something else you can think about. All right. All right. I know it's crazy, but it's worked for me. The battle is in the mind. We choose to think about something. And we want to close with talking about the joy of the Spirit. The joy of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eat or drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. If the devil can steal your joy, he'll steal your strength. And we all know what the scripture says about that. The Bible, the Bible says in, in Nehemiah 8 and 10, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and give some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. If you remember in those days, they were, the, the people of God were so bombed out because they read the scripture, they realized they messed up so much. They said, what do we do? Do we sacrifice what do we do? He said, no. He said, this day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The devil... Again, if the devil can steal our joy, he can steal our strength. Joy is not happiness. Happiness comes from happenings, and we're happy. Joy is something deep. It's the joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the joy that only Jesus can give. John 10, 10, I'll close with. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life. We might have it more abundantly. God's got a plan for our lives. The devil's got a plan for our lives, and it's up to us. That's how we walk this out. And of course, again, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God has been wonderful this morning. I just want to pray for any of you this morning. You say, I'm dealing with condemnation. I'm struggling with the righteousness side. Or I am struggling with peace. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, and I have a hard time receiving the peace of God. Or you might say, I'm not very, very joyful. I'd like to be joyful, but I'm really not. I've got too much going. And God wants to restore and give you joy in the Holy Spirit. His joy. His joy. Not our joy. So just raise your hand. If any of those apply to you, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything. Okay, just keep your hands up. We're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a restoration of the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Pray you would restore, 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 restore in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that it's righteousness that comes through faith. I resist any condemnation. Lord God, I pray you give us grace to hang on to conviction because you give us the way out. There's always a way of escape, your word says, and you'll give that. And Lord God, I pray for those who just need the peace of God going through some difficult waters. I pray in the midst of lack of peace, you would provide peace. Some supernatural. In some cases, you'll show us the path to peace in the name of Jesus. And then, Lord God, release the joy in the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Release us, Lord God, those of us that are having a hard time walking in joy. I thank you for a fresh release of joy in the Holy Spirit today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like the worship team to come, and uh, David, you can come and close out. If you need, in the prayer team, if you come also. Uh, if you need prayer for anything today, there's a prayer team. We'll be here, and David will explain that. Uh, it's been a joy, a joy to be here with you today. Looking forward to being back with you next week and supporting Laverne She Speaks. And two weeks from today, Maroon Shree will be back. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. 
we would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.